mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why do we work? What's the point of it? Why do we do it? Why does it matter? Does it even matter that we do it or how we do it? Work is a very important part of our lives. But it can also be a very damaging part of our lives. As we look at Our proverb for today, we're thinking about how God is part of our work, how he gives our work purpose. In Proverbs 24, verse 27, it says, Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. On the surface, this passage is saying, don't buy something until you can afford it. In simple words, don't buy something until you have enough money to pay for it. But why then do we all have credit cards? Isn't that what a credit card does? It allows us to buy something we maybe don't have the money to pay for yet. In the United States of America, credit card debt totals $800 billion. Over 500 million credit card accounts. The average credit card debt of a family in the United States is over $6,000. We tend to do the opposite of this proverb. We pay first and work later, or we eat first and we pay later. We buy things on credit and then we own them, but really we're still paying them off for years to come. Student loans, houses, credit cards. We go to college, we take out a loan, and then we work for the next 20 years to pay for that education that we already bought. We get married, we take out a mortgage, and then we work for the next 20 years to pay for that house that we signed off on. And this is really how the U.S. economy works. It depends on credit. The U.S. national debt, if you want something even more depressing, is, has grown from the year 2000 at $5 trillion to the year 2008 at $10 trillion, to the year 2012 at $15 trillion, and now in 2021, as COVID has hit, it continues to increase even more rapidly to over $28 trillion in national debt. Are we remembering a time in our lives, does anybody here remember a time in their lives when somebody actually saved up the money to buy a house and paid for it with cash. There was a time when that was done. So what does it mean to work? Is work just a way to pay off debt? Is it just a way to pay bills? Is it nothing more than putting food on the table and making sure that you're surviving? 
And if this is all true, that we eat first and pay later, when can we rest? When do we rest if we're always behind? The proverb says, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, buy your house. So we're going to look at this proverb in three places. First, to prepare your work outside means to understand how work works first. And then to work in the field means to get the field ready for a long-term investment plan. And then thirdly, then you can finally build your house. So first, understand how work works. Prepare your work outside, or as the NIV says, get all your outside work in order before you buy your house, before you build your house. There's a divine design to work. There's a divine design. How God designed this world to work and for us to fit into it properly. You go back to creation, and there is a pattern of how God intended for us to work. Look at how God worked. How many days did he work? Six days. And then what did he do on the seventh? Yep, he rested. So six days he worked, and the seventh he rested, which is the Sabbath. God worked and then he rested. But he always worked according to a design. And when he put Adam into this creation, he had a definite purpose for what Adam was supposed to do. When you look at Genesis chapter 2, you see the first thing God tells Adam to do is to take care of the garden. He put him into the Garden of Eden and he said he's supposed to take care of it. In fact, he said two things. He said you're to tend it and to keep it. And then thirdly, after you've tended it and kept it, then you can eat from it. And you can eat from any tree in the garden except one. So you need to tend it, which means you cultivate it. You make something out of it. You make something beautiful and productive out of it. Then you keep it, which means you protect it so that it doesn't become something evil, so that it isn't harmed. And then thirdly, you can eat from it. And then fourthly, always remember how God intended for you to eat from it. That there was a command of a tree that you were not supposed to eat. So there's a design, there's a purpose to it all. The problem is that Adam forgot about all of this. He had other things in mind when the devil entered into the situation. Proverbs 24 goes on to describe how this turned out after the fall and says in verse 30, a story. So he tells a story of someone who doesn't prepare their work first, who doesn't pay attention to the way God has it designed. He said, I passed by the field of a lazy person, someone who had a vineyard, a man who lacked any sense. And behold, his vineyard was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with 
thistles and weeds, and its stone wall was broken down and not maintained. And I looked, and I thought about it, and I learned. What is he learning? from this man who hadn't taken care of his garden or his wall or his fruit. And then he tells a riddle. He says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. In other words, if the focus is lost on what God intends for our lives, Poverty can rush in on us any moment. But if we understand the divine design, then the Lord will take care of us. The slothful man or the sluggard, you could picture that sloth as the animal at the zoo that moves so slowly sometimes you can't even see him moving. He does nothing but hang around. Well, the sluggard did not cultivate or tend to the garden, he did not protect it by keeping the wall up, and he could not enjoy it then. What was he doing instead? Was he in his mom's basement playing video games? Was he out traveling the world? Was he gambling? Was he partying? We don't know. What was he doing? All we know is he wasn't taking care of the plans that God had for him. He wasn't paying attention to him. How can this man raise a family or build a home if he hasn't invested himself in the long term? There's a purpose here. To prepare your work outside means to get all things in the right order. I've told my kids this. I don't know if my wife knows that we're totally agreed on this, but I have this idea that before my boys go to college, they need to work instead of just going right from high school to college. That if they want me to help them pay for college, they need to work a job for some amount of time, for a year. And once they can learn how to earn money and pay bills and take care of themselves on some level what hard work is, then we could talk about college. Because we roll right from high school into college, and then things continue to be taken care of for us. And we have trouble learning this lesson to prepare your work outside, to get the field ready, and then to build the house, and understanding what that really means. But this applies to all of us of all ages. Where is God in your work? Where is his blessing in your vineyard? Jesus talked about this. In John chapter 5, we read of how he healed a man on the Sabbath and then got accused of breaking the law. And his response to them was, my father is working and I am working until now. My father is working and I am working because Jesus understood the pattern the six, seven pattern that we were talking about, the six days of work, the seventh day of rest, was about God ruling this world. It was about God dealing with 
this world the way it was meant to work. And when a man is paralyzed and can't work, God says, something is wrong here. And so Jesus puts the man back to work. He tells him to get up, to take his bed, and to go. The fulfillment of the Sabbath is Jesus' healing. Jesus doesn't rest until he's dealt with the things that are out of order in our lives, the priorities that are mismatched, where they were putting the Sabbath above a human being. He would not rest until he had dealt with sin. Jesus had thought this all the way through. What his work was, working with the Father to restore this world. To get the fields ready. That's our second thing from Proverbs verse 27. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. The book of Proverbs was written in an agricultural world, which meant that most people were farmers or ranchers. They depended on the field. They depended on the earth for their daily lives. They depended on the seasons and the weather and the harvest every year. Can you imagine how much more intensified your prayer life would be if putting food on the table depended on the weather? In Genesis 3, God said, By the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread. How many of us actually sweat at our jobs? Raise your hand if you actually sweat at your job. Okay. Now raise your hand if you don't typically sweat from hard work at your job. I can raise my hand. What happens when we aren't sweating? Now, we don't sweat as much as we used to, even if you work at a sweaty job. We don't sweat as much as we used to. We don't think in terms of the seasons and the harvest. We don't touch the dirt very often, not compared to how we used to. And that's because we're spoiled. I heard a talk by a writer, N.D. Wilson, that talked about spoiled rich kids saying that we in America are really all spoiled rich kids. We are lazy, apathetic, lackadaisical, passive. We are pretentious, aloof, snobbish, selfish, superior, and sluggish. We are pampered, coddled, babied. We are overparented, overindulged, overexaggerated, overbearing. We are self-indulged, self-willed, and self-centered. We are bloated, fat, affluent. We are rich kids. Nine in ten Americans make more money than the average middle class in the rest of the globe. If you make more than $30,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of income in the world. If you make more than $30,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of rich people in the world. 
We don't sweat as much as we used to because so much of it is done for us or someone else does it or we wait for someone to do it. Getting the fields ready in this Proverbs means to get ourselves back invested into hard work, into the long term, into sweat. Dolly Hallman would talk to me about how she grew up on a farm and how they had to work. I remember Ray Amick telling me the same stories, almost identical. And they both would say, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. And she would say, everybody worked. You didn't have a choice. You didn't even think about it. It was just the way it was for a farming family to live. You worked. You did chores. And then at the end of the day, you were tired. But were they happy? Did their parents worry all the time? Did they complain all the time? Even though it's a hard life, it tends to be a more fulfilling life. It's hard for us because we almost have to artificially find these places in our lives to do hard work and sweat because so much of our life is at a desk or behind a computer God talked about the two parts to the curse in Genesis chapter 3 when he said that women would have pain in childbirth and men would have trouble in the field. Now for women, I'm not trying to compare genders here, but Genesis says you'll have pain in childbirth, which means that there's more for you than being just a mom. If anyone ever says, I'm just a mom, they're forgetting that all you're just doing is raising souls for eternity, that you're investing in the future of the next generation that's going to live and raise in this world and cultivate this creation, that you're taking care of something that is the most precious thing that God ever made. So you're just a mom. Or you're just a dad. And for men, he calls them to sweat and suffer. That there is suffering for us, whether we're sweating or not. In our workplace, there's suffering that we're intended to face and we're intended to embrace and not complain about, but instead find the Lord's blessings. Because the blessing in children and the blessing in work is the long term, not the short term. It's how you handle those things for the long term that this says, prepare your field and then build your house. The fields are already ripe, Jesus says. They're already ripe for harvest. And think of the work that Jesus did. Jesus was always preparing for the long term. All of his teachings, and above all, his sacrifice on the cross, was a long-term investment. His giving of the Spirit on Pentecost was about something that would be carried on for thousands of years. So next week, we're going to learn more about parenting for Christian Education Sunday and that long-term investment. But it's after this effort has been put in with prayer and faith that we can build our house. And all of us can do this. Proverbs 27 says, after that, build your house. 
This finds for us then the fulfillment of everything we've been talking about. Why do we work? To put food on the table? To pay off our cell phone bill? No. The fulfillment of our work is our home. The fulfillment of our work life in whatever work you're doing, whether you're getting paid for it or not, whether you're going to school or you're volunteering, whether you're taking care of kids or you're a teacher, all of it is leading back to this goal, a happy home, rest, renewal, spiritual life. This is the 6-7 pattern of Genesis. Working for six days so that on the seventh, you have a house well-built, a family taken care of, and you can relax. Even when we relax, we're often working. So the goal of work is not the stuff, it's not the dollars, it's not the looks. It's coming home. Jesus wants us to come home. He's building a house for us. He's working the six days, dying on the cross, resting on the Sabbath, and then on the eighth day, he's rising. And when he rises, he restores this pattern the way it's supposed to be. Your work is not to save you from anything. You're already saved. God has saved you. And by grace, you've been saved. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. But sometimes we forget to go on to the 10th verse. Why? Why are you saved? To walk in the works he's prepared beforehand, for you are his creation, it says. To walk in the works he's prepared beforehand, to come home to a place of refreshment where we rule with Jesus, where we build a home with him. And here is God's house. Here is God's family. An eternal family. Where God wants us to cultivate this place. The congregation. The community. The ministry. As a place where God is working. Where he's taking care of us now on Sunday. To give us rest. Sending us out Monday. To cultivate blessings in this world for others. That's the design, that's the field, and this is the family. Amen.